What is up? Welcome back to the Pack Center Podcast, your one-stop shop for anything Nevada athletics, episode 164. I'm your host, Matt Hennepin. I'm here with my co-host, Isaiah Bros. Isaiah, what's going on? How's it going? How, how was your Thursday? It's off to a good start. You yeah, know, being in the, the podcast week. with you is always great. End of the week, tomorrow's Friday. It hit me like a truck this morning that tomorrow is Friday. Like, I just didn't process that in my brain. Um, yeah, I, this week has gone by incredibly fast. Um, let's get to some Wolfpack sports. Um, we are now in the midst, as we talked about last podcast and the, pod, and the episode before that, we are in the midst of like this kind of winter-spring hybrid. Um, a couple of sports wrapping up. Swim and Dive had their senior night last Friday against Washington State. Um, they did not win, unfortunately. Um, but there was some notable f- finishes for the seniors. Um, Caitlin McHugh won the 200-meter freestyle. Victoria Smula and Donna DiPolo finished first and third in the 200-meter breaststroke. We had we Nevada as a team, uh, they won the 200-meter relay. And so those are just a few of the winners that Nevada had, amongst their seniors at least, um, on senior night. And it's, it's cool to see at least the seniors win a few um, events to like go out in their collegiate careers. And then, of course, we'll have the Mountain West Championships if any of them qualify um, in March, et cetera, et cetera. I think the end, no, wait, no, that's, I think in the middle of the month, February, and then we'll have the, uh, national championship, championship starting March, excuse me on that. No, no, you're absolutely right. Like, it's good to see them go out on some form of a note. Obviously there's going to be more heading in store in the near future, but as we always say, swim and dive is the most decorated sport on campus. Historically. Historically speaking. And, you know, this year was no different in a lot of regards. They've done pretty well for the most part. And it's just been, it's going to be sad seeing a lot of talented swimmers go. I mean, we always talk about Donna DiPolo and so many others, but overall, obviously there's going to be a few more competitions ramping up and kind of just ramping up before those Mountain West championships. It's going to be a big one. We are accustomed to bringing home some medals, particularly gold, but we've had a couple second place finishes as well. But that just speaks to the dominance we've been able to put together as a program in that sport in particular. And then, of course, uh, another sport that occurred over the weekend was men's and women's tennis. Um, men's tennis picked up a 4-3 win over UC Davis and a 7-0 win over, over Holy Names University. Um, both of those contests were in Santa Clara. And then we had women's tennis who won 4-1 against Santa Clara at Santa Clara, but then um, day after lost 4-0 uh, on the road at UC Davis. Yeah, kind of a up-and-down stretch, I guess you can say, in one way or another, but... Hopefully, you've seen some of the positives throughout the early portion of the year, and hopefully they can just get back to more of a consistent winning streak, and I think they have the talent on both ends to get that done. So we'll see how that goes. We're also, the the, the center point of today's podcast is going to be mostly centered um, on uh, basketball, of course, as we usually talk about. But we're also going to be diving into some recruiting. Um Again, as we as more as the season goes along, more sports like softball, um, baseball, et cetera, et cetera, they're going to be coming along. Um, and so just be on, of course, the lookout for those. But in transitioning into women's basketball, they had two kind of difficult road losses at Colorado State. They lost 66-65, and then um, against Wyoming, they lost 63-52. to um, Just struggled a little bit in the fourth quarter, but <clears throat> yeah, excuse me. Yesterday on Wednesday, they returned. They returned home after their uh, three-game road stretch, 
and absolutely kicked butt. I mean, they won 88 to 63 against San Jose State. They shot 62.7% from the floor, 50% from the three point line. Um, after shooting four of 18, both of those previous two games against Colorado State and Wyoming, just a dominant performance. They had a 33 point third quarter. Why, probably one of their best scoring outlets of the season in the single quarter. I'll have to, I'll have to double check that. But that was a great win. Um, they're now nine and three at home, five and four on the road. Um, so they've obviously been a better home team than road team. But it's good to see them come back and bounce back against a San Jose State or against San Jose State at home. Audrey Roden and Neil Alexander both had 17 points, have a team high. Lexi Givens had 15 points. Deja struggled a little bit just playing 18 minutes, shooting two or five from the floor, but it was still a very good overall win uh, for the pack on Wednesday. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, really helped ease some shooting woes that we saw against Colorado State and Wyoming. Talk about getting hot from the floor once again down the stretch and finding our groove, and I think putting together a consistent, dominant stretch of play like this team's been doing all year, it's always, you know, it's not easy to come by in so many ways against conference opponents, and sometimes slip-ups happen, cold shooting nights, you know, every team goes through it, but to see us bounce back like we did against San Jose State, it's awfully impressive because the offensive firepower and the depth is deep on this team, and we're seeing it really unfold as the season goes along, and you know, I really think those two losses kind of opened our eyes to see what we're truly capable of as a unit. We could play much better, and we certainly did against another conference foe. So I expect big things ahead once again from women's basketball going forward and just brushing off kind of a you know sluggish couple shooting nights. But getting together another big win against San Jose State helps move this program forward. They had 29 assists on 37 midfield goals. Kylie Jimenez had 13 assists. Nine points, thirteen assists. That's that's impressive. They also did it surprisingly. They they had seventeen turnovers to San Jose State's fifteen, but um, the way they were able to move the ball and ping it off each other and just get assists on made baskets was um, very like good to see. They had ten steals. Um, there were multiple players. I think three had two at least two steals um, in their in their winning effort. And San Jose State's not a good team. They're four and seventeen now with a one and nine conference record. But again, still good to see Nevada bounce back the way they did scoring over scoring almost ninety points at home. Once again it just shows the offensive firepower we have on this team and the impact transfers we've added can't be understated enough. Once again a huge back bounce back win and an offensive performance we ultimately needed. We're at home this weekend versus Fresno State. Saturday at two o'clock, and then we'll be, and then Nevada women's basketball team will be on the road February 9th at San Diego State, and so or at San Diego State at eleven a.m. So just keep an eye out on that. We might be able, I don't, we might be able to talk about the San Diego State game just given the time that we record. Maybe I don't. It just depends on when it ends. Um, but nevertheless, let's jump into uh, football and men's basketball. Which one do you want to start with? Start with a little bit more of a positive. Let's just go with the Nevada football. Maybe shed some light on the program and the future of it. Let me get. Let me ask you one question. I see. I see a lot of this, or I, I'm not a lot of it, but I have seen it a little bit on the on the uh, on the internet on on the Twitter sphere. There's there's been a lot of support when it's come to um, recruiting locals specifically. I mean, Norvell didn't necessarily hammer the local uh, community when he was here. Um, I mean, of course, there was like the Cade McNamara's, the Peyton Dixons of the world that just, I mean, of course, Cade was, he was a four-star recruit, I believe. He went to Michigan, 
I mean, obviously, I'm pretty successful there. I mean, he was a starter on a college football playoff team. Um, he and J.J. McCarthy are going to continue to battle it out um, next year for Jim Harbaugh. But do you think, like, what do you think about him getting? Because I think there, I, I want to say there's like 10 walk ons, something around that, plus uh, the lone guy who did sign, um, Christopher Smalley, who I know back at Douglas. Minden. Like what do you th- like? What do you think about that? What do you think about the transition? I mean, I I, I think it's pretty nifty, um, just getting trying to accumulate talent from here. But I can also see the other side of it. Oh yeah, definitely. You're trying to get more like two star, three star, and let's be honest, Northern Nevada hasn't produced a lot of two star, three star, four star guys. That's why Cade Mac- the Cade McNamara's of the world were so rare. Oh. But that also doesn't mean that there isn't talent here. There's plenty of talent here. Um, at, at least worthy enough to give consideration and that's I think was a big focus of Ken Wilson and his staff I mean Jeff Nady who graduated from Douglas is I, he, I want to say he's an offensive analyst but he's also like helping with the recruiting he helped um, I believe he I'm at least I'm assuming he helped get Smalley here I'm assuming he helped some of the northern, other northern Nevada kids here but like I think that was a big focus like what do you think about that no I think you kind of hit the nail on the head right there when it comes to head coach Ken Wilson who obviously just took this job? What is it now? Is it a month or a month or two now? Is he two months into um, the job? Close? No, I, he because I, I want to say it was it was mid December. Mid December. Okay. So about a month and so a half. about a month and a half. I think probably like what five six weeks something like that. Targeting those locals really helps establish yourself within the community as well because, like you said, I know Norvell didn't really, you know, hone in on that area. I mean, he did get. He got, but. He got Sam Hammond, who was not he kind of a local. I mean, what was it, Yerington? Yerington. Yerington. I mean, Reagan Roberson, who also came from Douglas. I mean, those were like the select few that he got mm-hmm. but, from here, or at least from here in this like area. I mean, I know Yerington's further away, but like it, it just wasn't a priority over his five years, or it, it wasn't something that he hit on. And just from Wilson's perspective, I think just, I'm not trying to say like polishing your image, but at least improving your image from a, you know, to get the fans, maybe not on your side, but just, you know what I mean? Help improve your image a little bit. I think, I think it the gives fan- you some support and backing to give some of these local kids a try. And um, the stereotypical version is everyone loves, you know, the, the local walk on who makes an impact at his D1 school, his dream D1 school. And because it's yeah, happened, it has. And how does that start? It starts with an opportunity. You know, just ask Carson Strong. He's a prime example of that. Well, I mean, he's not local. But I'm saying just given an opportunity by oh, a loan scholarship. Uh, yeah, okay. Sorry, yeah, I got that confused. Because I was I'm like, sorry, he's not not local. Um, but Wood High School, I'm sorry, in California. But with that being said, I just think from Wilson's perspective, that's a good way to really um, not only try to improve the depth of your squad and trying to get some form of bodies to your recruiting class, obviously, but to help kind of establish a backing from your fan base as well and kind of revitalize some of the energy that's been left by Norvell's departure in a way, I think it helped kind of spark some backing and positivity his way. And I think that's a very smart move on his part as well as trying to aid the overall depth and size of the program. Something that he talked about and that he's talked about on numerous occasions is considering there was so many people that left it put a premium on, all right, let's get as many guys in here as possible and, of course, like generate competition because competition, um, as I've mentioned here before, like gets the best out of people. 
Um, it gets the best out of everyone involved. You're competing against each other. There's a competitive fire that is like within athletes. And so like you want to you want to create that competition and it left so many like open slots for um, whether it was on the transfer portal or whether it was uh, from JUCO, uh, the JUCO transfer portal, whether it was from recruits like it, it like you wanted to get or like preferred walk-ons or walk-ons. It puts like it, it gave him like a, a route and I get one of those routes was getting local talent and keeping northern nevada talent in northern nevada and of course getting uh talent from southern nevada which is something that we've done in the past and there was so many there were so many departures and so many scholarship opportunities and so many um just roster spots to fill to fill out the depth of this roster because there was such a big senior class that left plus all of the transfers that left plus like what 14 transfers plus recruits just there was a just a ridiculous amount of open roster spots and there's going to be a ridiculous amount of new faces next year and so that gives that gave him a bunch of different routes to uh, attack, attack or like access, and one of those was getting was keeping the Northern Nevada talent, or at least as much as m- much as we can. Yeah, I think that's a good path, and obviously, as you said, there's plenty of opportunity here. And with the new transfer rules coming into effect, we've seen it this past off season in the NCAA all over the place. Here, here as well. I mean, we're starting to see some impactful transfers come under Wilson's belt as well. And um, I think one of the things, like you said, that is a positive for Nevada football right now is if you want to play, you'll certainly be given, you know, an opportunity and you'll be able to compete for a legitimate spot. And I think along with those local additions, some of the JUCO routes, JUCO and FBS route transfers that have come to Nevada football these past 24 hours is something to be stated as well. Yeah, I want to say there was... Okay, so let's 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 uh, let first before we go into like who signed yesterday because yesterday we're recording this on Thursday, February third. Yesterday was National Signing Day across America, um, and so or across college football, and so we were able to like get an idea of who the twenty-two guys that signed yesterday were. But let's here's a list of I pulled up a list of the uh, walk-ons or local walk-ons at least. Elijah Acklin. He was from Reed. He was a wide receiver slash defensive back. There's a kicker, James Bass from Spanish Springs. Um, there's wide receiver slash defensive back, uh, Tyler Clark from Damani Ranch. There was quarterback Blake Horning from Reed. Um, so there's just a bunch of different guys. I mean, I mean, those guys are specifically from the Sparks area. I mean, we have Donovan DeRico, who's from Bishop Nook. He was a linebacker slash defensive back. Um, there was Trace Patterson, who played at Sparks. Who's not? It's that Sparks isn't a four A school. At least I don't. I don't think it is. Might be three A or whatever, but I think it's a three A. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Last time I checked, it was a three. I could be wrong on that though. I will confirm. Um, but there's also uh, like Nick Vargas. Um, he was a receiver uh, at Damani Ranch. Cameron Zeidler, who played at North Valley's, who was an athlete. It it is it a three? Three A. Mm-hmm. It is three A. So, I mean, there's just multiple different guys. And, of course, as I mentioned, Christopher Smalley, who is at Douglas. So, I mean, there's just a bunch of different guys, and hopefully they're able to hopefully they're able to get opportunity. Like, it's cool, always cool to have, like, the walk-on story where it's like you, you walk on to the university. I mean, you earn that scholarship, you produce. I mean, yesterday in his press conference, he, Coach Wilson referenced Austin Corbett, who was a walk-on. He walked on. I, was Austin Corbett from here? That's a great For question. some reason, I feel like he was from here. Uh, I'm not 100% sure. He was from 
Yeah. Is he yeah, from here? Reed High School. Reed High School. So it, High School. it's that's the Sparks cool native. That's the cool like. I mean, at least in Corbett's case, I mean, he walked on, got the scholarship, started for a couple years, and then eventually made it to the NFL. And guess what? Now he's competing in the Super Bowl as the starting right guard for Isaiah's Los Angeles Rams. We didn't jinx it. We yeah. didn't jinx it. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, we didn't jinx it. Uh, <laughs> we'll, get to, we'll get to our Super Bowl predictions next week. Um, but that's just like the cool story. And uh, Coach Wilson also talked about how that could be like a recruiting pitch for players in northern Nevada and southern Nevada is like Austin Corbin did it like he he made the most of his opportunity and he also talked about um how he was like a part of getting not I think he was like he made that call um or he was like assisted in making that call to Austin's parents and of course when uh, coach Wilson's son was here at the university in the early 2010s um he was also a walk-on so like just having that those are just like cool moments i mean i always enjoy those off-season videos where it's like you call the you call the parents you do it in like some fun or fancy way and you get that scholarship hopefully these kids are able to secure those scholarships down the road um once scholarships become open there's 22 on scholarship right now 23 if you count shane ingleworth who i don't think is officially signed yet um and then there's three more available because i think wilson said there's 26 available right right yeah I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head once again. It's just, it's a bevy of local talent, plenty of opportunity, and it's something that ultimately these players can ultimately, I said ultimately twice in the same sentence, but something they can really take advantage of and maybe try to make the most of. And to do that, you need an opportunity, and you know, props to Coach Wilson for really kind of honing in on the Northern Nevada Region, I guess you could say. Not really a region at all, but... Yeah, it's a region. We talk. It is about? a region. I'm sorry. I think of region more broadly now, but... Oh, oh okay. All right. yeah. I see what you mean. The Northern, Northern Nevada, Nevada... Yeah, Northern Nevada region. region. Um, but just giving these guys an opportunity and, once again, just trying to develop some backing from the fan base. I think it's been a pretty darn good 24 hours from Wilson. I mean, considering Especially what he's Especially from, like, a over. PR perspective. Oh, yeah. It's just... Especially just... Trying to add bodies, trying to add depth, recollect some form of talent, which I think he did, and as you said, kind of from a PR perspective, bringing in some a lot of local guys that helps get your fan base a little, at least maybe a little excited and get some more eyes on your recruiting class. I don't even want to say it's over like twenty four hours. I want to say like over the like last like four weeks. It's very true. It's not like this. Is all, I'm yeah, sorry. it's I'm not saying like, like all happened yesterday. It's coming out reported to us. So. Um, well, well no. these guys, no, these, these guys, guys like official. But... I mean, it's reported over time, but like these guys officially, or at least not not necessarily the locals, but the recruiting cast, class, like officially inks yesterday, or at least most of them did. Um, some of them were in that part of that December early signing period, like Smalley. Um, but really, it's over the last like four, like four or five weeks, or however long they've been able to recruit. Um, getting getting these walk-ons. I mean. It also, again, goes back to what we talked about a while ago when it came to like, all right, did, how much do they favor loyal? How much are they going to prioritize loyalty? Not just in regards to the university, but in regards to Ken Wilson. I mean, it seems like he's definitely taken. Um, he's he he's he. I think he already has the fans on his side, but like this further builds solidifies that. it. Yeah, yeah, builds that, solidifies that. Man, I can't talk today. Neither can I. Don't worry. <laughs> 
Um, so let's let's talk about this recruiting class a little bit. I mean, it's kind of hard because I mean, again, we don't know who like a majority of these guys are. Um, I mean, Wilson talked a bunch about them yesterday, but we can only take we can only we won't be able to see everything in fruition until like the spring game, obviously. Um, and then, of course, when the season starts in August, but Nevada had 22 players signed in their class. Again, 23 if you count Shane Engelworth, who is a former four-star high school quarterback prospect. Um, I think he spent a year. Was it just, it was a year or two at Oklahoma State? Um, he played less than four games, so he still has a redshirt year plus the COVID year, so he still has four years of eligibility left with the program. Um, there was there was other notable transfers. I think we had 16 total transfers in general. Um, nine of which, if you don't include Engelworth, uh, at the Division One level, William Green Jr., defensive tackle from uh, Liberty. Um, you had Dorian Green Warren uh, from Michigan, um, Cooper Schultz from Oregon. I mean, PJ Castile from Arizona. And so there's there's a bunch of uh, Division One transfers that signed yesterday. Plus, like Jonathan Thomas, linebacker, he played at the College of Canyons. Um, you had Jacob Monroe tight end, uh, Orange Coast College. You had uh, Marcel Walker, who Southern Connecticut State University. But you, you, see, you see where I'm getting at. Like, there was a mm-hmm. lot of transfers that signed yesterday. Um, I mean, plus, there was, there was a few uh, high school guys like E.J. Barsley, um, Jonathan Maldonado, defensive end, Kiki McQueen, defensive back. So it'd be, there, was, there, was a, there was a bunch of different, I guess, routes that we, I guess, that we talked about that Wilson attacked with these, with this recruiting class specifically in the in the uh, transfer portal, which was kind. Of, I mean, it was kind of expected because I mean, such a short turnaround in the recruiting class. I mean, you were just hired. You're just putting together staff. Um, you now have this transfer portal that's accessible to you, and you're able to uh, poach players from different programs instead of having to build this rebuild those high school connections with kids already late, not late, but like deep into the recruiting period, I mean, having those prior connections, um, whether it was like you tried to recruit them at another school or whatever, um, or your former staff member did um, at a different school. And so now Wilson was able to attack that. Um, I think there was, there was a few different recruits that he talked about yesterday where it's like I we were already like trying to recruit this guy when I was at Oregon, now he's over here. Um, or players who previously played under him, like the ones that we just mentioned. Um, at Oregon, or even like at Washington, or not? He, no, he didn't mention. I don't think he, there was anyone at Washington State that he talked about. Um, not that I can. Actually, no. I think Welch may have been. Um, I'm I'm losing my mind here. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there was the, there was like a bunch of different routes that he went, and of course, I, I don't know if this will be like growing. Um, I don't know if there's a, you can make a firm conclusion on it yet, but there was a big like a substantial portion of that recruiting class did come from the transfer portal. And that was, that's what I thought was kind of interesting and kind of expected. And it's interesting. I'm going to be interested to see how these guys do throughout their Wolfpack careers. Yeah, definitely. For, for however long they're here, because no one knows how, um, again, with this transfer portal, no one knows how long these players will be um, with this program. Hopefully it's for their four years or however many years of eligibility they have remaining, but you never know nowadays. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, talk about attacking it from multiple avenues and it's been interesting to see and just how much of a impact impactful contribution these transfers are going to make and like you said poaching them from other d1 programs it says a lot it says a lot about the opportunity this program provides and 
we'll see ultimately come the spring game who is ready to kind of take that next step and who will really kind of fill out the depth chart from there. But it's interesting seeing him kind of poach some guys from Oregon and everything like that. But, you know, I think overall, I mean, considering how quickly he had to put together not only a staff but some form of a recruiting trail and get some guys in here, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I mean, it's it's exciting to see what he can do next year with a full year of tutelage and recruiting under him as well. So considering the amount of bodies he brought in in such a short amount of time, I think it says a lot. I did look at two. I mean, 247 doesn't have, like, the transfer updates yet, but, like, Nevada's, like, 118 out of 130. Not bad. Not bad. Not the worst. <laughs> Always optimistic. That Come on. <laughs> Um, so they were one of the lower lower level teams, but I don't think they have again. I don't think they have the D one transfers in there. Um, at least not what not when I not when I looked at it, they didn't have the, like all the D one guys in there. And again, when you get Ellingworth, a former four star guy, you get a couple three star guys. Helps in there. boost those numbers. Yeah, like a lot. Not not a lot, but considerably. Let me hang on. Let me look at it right now and see two forty. And in the meantime, I don't know if you heard that Texas A and M they signed the largest and arguably the greatest recruiting class of all time. Yeah, their recruiting class is ridiculous. I, I think they had remember. seven five stars. And they're still going to finish third in the SEC. I mean, yeah. what? Um, yeah, I know it's, <laughs> it's tough. Okay, let's let's look at this. It's pulling up. The screen is loading. Yeah, Nevada's 11th. Yeah, they're 118th. They're 118th in the nation. They're, I think, worse in the Mountain West. Yikes. No, second worst. Excuse me. I'm, my math's off. Yeah, second worst. Behind or in front of? Uh, Hawaii. Okay. Who's been depleted. They have, like, the weird situation. I mean, Tommy Chang or Timmy Chang um, was hired there as recently as head coach, but they had the whole entire fiasco um, with their previous coach. And, yeah, that was, that was just a big mess. Um... Yeah, they don't. They, I mean, they have them listed. They just don't have the grades. Actually, no. For some of them, they do have the grades. Never mind. Dorian Green Warren, another four-star recruit. Joey Capra, who already has a graduate degree and has three years of eligibility left. So that's a fun fact. He was a three-star, formerly of San Diego State. How do you like that? Oh, um, good little tidbit. I don't. Yeah, I don't know why they don't have these like. I mean, they have they they have them listed. I don't know if they factored them in yet, though. I don't know. Now let's look at Colorado State. No, <laughs> um, see how Norvell did. Yeah, see how Norvell oh, did. Oh wait, <laughs> I love you. Just Jay. half our rosters on there. Um, no, you and I talked off air about like people getting upset at them. I think there's like reasonable justification, but we're not going to talk about that right now. Um, anyways, back to this Nevada recruiting class, 2022 recruiting class. Also, what are your thoughts? I mean, Wilson did mention in the press conference that he did try to hammer uh, one, the offensive line, two tight ends just because there was that lacking. I thought it was interesting that he didn't like put receivers in that same category. Well, I wonder if Nevada um, is going to go to more like 12 personnel, two tight end sets. Like, what, like, what do you think about that? Yeah, that was kind of interesting considering just how many receivers departed whether that be to Colorado State or other programs necessary. But I think maybe a potential offensive scheme 
could be in play here. I mean, a different well, offense. Different offense. I, I, wasn't that a given? I certainly hope so. I mean, considering you hope that so. could have been. Yeah. Yeah, I'm done. I've been done with the air raid. Why? No more. It worked. For it you had one worked. of the best passing offenses in the nation. What do you what? <laughs> it was all right. It was decent. It was, it was decent. Good. It was good. But considering I think that was one of the selling points for Nevada, especially if Wilson wanted to come on board, is you can change oh, yeah. anything. And I think now just considering some of the deplete the depleted talent at skill positions across the board, sadly. But building it through the trenches, especially the offensive line that had some woes last year, obviously. Yeah. And, you know, we'll have Cole Turner departed. And, and also, Reagan. Thank you. And oh, Reagan. wait. Well, actually, I'm not sure if Reagan. I think he, I think he, he's, he's got to be, right? Nevada did have a few different. Yeah. They didn't have many tight ends on the roster to begin with. Anyways, so. so we'll certainly see. That's you bring up an interesting point. Maybe it could be a potential scheme change, based upon the emphasis. It all signs kind of point to it. It's, but yeah, we'll see. Maybe Ken Wilson's air raid just blows everyone <laughs> out of the water. Yeah, kick. Yeah, Ken Wilson just uh, like three tight ends on the uh, outside. He just <laughs> well, okay. He did mention. Um, he did talk about yeah. It was he mentioned. Dyson Frank, who was like, who was the tight end that signed yesterday, actually. 6'7", 245 pounds, played basketball in college. And he did mention that like he's just his like his dunking clips and stuff were like just out of the water. Like not he didn't say out of the water, but he said they were just like really good. And like when he said that, like my brain went to like, all right, what if we're just doing goal line phase with Dyson Frank the entire time? Quote, he's a name you guys are gonna hear a lot of in the next few years, end quote. All right. So I mean, yeah. He's gonna, and he said he yeah, six seven ran a four five forty. Um, which is ridiculous. That's pretty athletic. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty athletic. Um yeah, he played college basketball at Pace University, um, transferred to Junior Snow College or Snow Junior College, excuse me. He was a two hundred ten pound basketball player to a two hundred fifty fifty pound tight end. So we gained forty pounds in a year. I mean, yeah, apparently this dude's just like an athletic freak. So, kind of like the Cole Turner route, how he just blossomed. Obviously, not yeah, it, profiles, come on, it was just, just just athletic freaks at that position. That's someone all aboard the uh, Dyson Frank train. We will be driving <laughs> it from here on out. <laughs> You've heard it here first. Pack Setter will be driving the Dyson Frank hype train. Yeah. Just based off of those quotes alone, no, no more. No just, more. Not no. even an ounce of film or anything. Yeah, no. <laughs> just based <laughs> off the quotes. Yeah. And his dunking just, highlights. Just based, yeah, just based off the uh, coach's quotes. Um, but yeah, that's what I was, that's what I thought of when I was like, oh, like Cole Turner, just goal line fade, just throw it up and he'll catch it. Throw it up. He did, he did reference a lot of like the tight ends and offensive linemen are just very good blocking tight ends. So again, that leads me in like the 12 personnel, maybe like the 22 personnel, like. Like, we're, we're going to be a lot more maybe under center this year. Maybe just, I mean, I'm guessing we're probably going to be more in the pistol just because Wilson's familiar with that. Um, I don't know how much of the other offensive staff is, but we, I think I think Derek Sage um, was familiar with that at UCLA. But I think they did use multi-personnel there. And he did say we we're going to be winning off of personnel here. I don't know what that means. Um, that can mean anything. Um, but I do think we're going to see... I I think it's a given that we're not going to see the air raid. 
at least in its true form, much longer. We might be retiring the Wildcat. Um, that's like, I guess, the one positive of Matt Mummy. It's, we talked about it before, just how he used the Wildcat every short down and distance situation, it felt like, um, or at least, every, at least every other time. And it kind of redundant. Um, didn't hurt Nevada in a few spots. Um, helped in a few others, but um, in this case, in my brain, the negatives out. Uh, outweigh the positives. Outweigh the positives, even though that makes no sense at all. Whatsoever. I think the other way around, but we're pr- we're probably going to be seeing. Like, I wonder if like, like, what if like Nate Cox is like our let let let's assume that Nate Cox is our starting quarterback next year. What if we just do like the QB sneak, like the Tom Brady oh just gets God. one yard every play play, or that that does seem like it would work. I mean, he's again six nine. Just just literally lay on top of the center and you'll get a first down. You think that's going to work? I hope so. I mean, the new short yardage situation is just let's run the Nate Cox play. Nate, or it, assuming he's assuming a starter. He would, but competition abroad. Or Illingworth or A.J. Bianco. They all got some size to him a little bit. Yeah. So. I don't know. It's it's an option. Again, you have multiple tight ends. We should just have, like, William Green as, like, our fullback and just give him the ball. And, like, just William the Fridge Perry. That's going to be that. I guess that's some not something to look forward to, but like no. a fun thought. <laughs> something to look forward to. On the to. goal line, give it to like a <laughs> defensive lineman, man. You have, instead of running the Wildcat, it's better than the Wildcat. Come on. I'm a fan of the Wildcat. I don't want to hear any Wildcat slander. It's not let's not go. Well, there. too bad. You're gonna be hearing it. You're hearing it right now, and I you're gonna keep hearing it. It's gonna be better than a William Green fullback dive. Is it? I don't know. The Wildcat was pretty unsuccessful. I don't have numbers in front of me to back that statement. It was balls. <laughs> it was good. It was not. Toa Devante, tote the rock. He did but, mention he another guy. He talked about Cross Patton, um, running back out of Oregon. He was like five six, like super fast. I mean, that'd be like that's that's a fun little like compliment to uh, Tawa and Lee back there. Yeah, maybe a potential Avery Morrow replacement. Yeah, Who knows? obviously we kind of had. High- high expectations or you know high hopes for more heading into this year with a larger role but he's obviously at Colorado State <laughs> like half our team sadly but yeah like that could be a potential replacement <laughs> <laughs> that could be a that could be a potential replacement you okay the Colorado State Wolfpack it's pretty much the Colorado State Wolfpack Kind it's okay. I, I respect it. It sucks, but I respect it. So let's talk some basketball. Uh, oh, boy. We how know. much do you want to talk about basketball? Um, I like, Basketball, of course, my favorite so. sport. Um, this is tough. Uh, let me, I think Nevada, it changes every day, but I think they're now 2-9 and nine in quad one or two games. Um, they got blasted on Saturday against Utah State by 29 points. It was not even close for 30 minutes of that game. It was interesting to me, Alford said after the game, that he it was the most embarrassed he's been watching his team play. I thought that was a really telling quote because, I mean, if you were to put an over-under on how many interviews and like games Alford has coached in his career, or not, over, not games coached, but let's just say interviews, whether it be Pre-game interviews, post-game interviews, 
How many do you think would like like what what do you think how what do you th- like just guess? How can you repeat that? How many If what? if you were t- how many I guess okay, I fine. I'll say how many games cuz we're talking about the games here. How many games that he's watched in his career? Alford? Oh yeah, my Alford. goodness. How many like his, his team, I'm guessing. Um oh my god. Shoof. I'm actually going to like look this up. So throughout his coaching career? Yeah, throughout his coaching career. I mean, I ooh, I mean, that is a lengthy coaching career. I'm trying to think somewhere along the lines of 350. Is that even selling it? That's what do you No, you're so far off. That's he almost has 350 losses. That's in what his I was career. trying to think is like Come on. Is it like think. 700 30 year 30 years. He's been coaching 30 years. I did the bio on him. 750. No. Am I am I in the ballpark? Over under for an over under? No. I mean you're a little bit. Eight nine fifty? Close. Nine sixty one. Nine sixty one. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Those those um And for it to for him to say that. These press conferences, these last few of them, have been telling. Um my biggest takeaway is the past two games, the effort is there in some form or fashion. Not against Utah. Not against Utah State. But our last two. That was certain. That was, I'm sorry, I'm including Colorado State in there. My bad. Oh. A little bit of a better effort. Let's just talk about the UNLV. Short-handed. <laughs> yeah. A little bit of a better effort. Obviously missing our best player. One of the, you know, arguably the best offensive force in the Mountain West Conference. I think you can ar- make an argument in that case. One of them. One uh, of the best players in the yeah, conference. Yeah, okay. All right. I'll give it to you. Um, but it's just been the same result, and I think it's getting seriously bad how poor we're shooting as a team. And I think another thing that's getting a little bit concerning at this point is the lack of development, especially offensively, from some of our underclassmen that we had really high hope for, really high hopes for. Um, overall, it's been bad. It's it's been um, disappointing, and just seeing the losses pile up. And it's like one game you'll see them play with a lot of effort. The next you'll see them just kind of mail it in in some form or fashion. Not mail it in. That's a little bit harsh. I don't think it's like, mailing it in. I think you just get to those again final six, eight minutes, and they're and just, just not able to close it out. Like yeah. I think they, the I think the efforts there. I mean, with the exception of Utah State, that was the second half. The second half. I mean, they were missing layups. They just weren't rotating. Like it's not like I want to. I don't want to say they're they were like checked out or anything, but like the effort's been there throughout the season. I just don't think they. It's been. It hasn't been consistently good. Forty minutes of basketball. That's the. That's been the plaguing issue. That's been their bugaboo the entire season. Um, there's been a select few games like, I mean, I, I'll I'll go back to the Fresno State game because I mean it's a little bit of recency bias. But guess what? They missed 15 free throws. They almost choked that game away, um, against a, actually a very good Fresno State team who we'll see tomorrow. Um, but that's, like, that's one of the few games they've had this season, at least against a quality opponent that they've played consistently good 40 minutes of basketball. I mean. Like Pepperdine, Loyola Marymount, obviously Minnesota Duelist, who is it like not even Division One program, but like against the best teams, it's been like the last 
Like even I want I'll even throw Colorado State in there. They played forty minutes of good or not good basketball, but the effort was there for forty minutes. They just weren't able to hit shots across the last six minutes. Um, I think they played their tail off in that game. It's just been, like you said, coming down those last six to eight minutes. It seems like they just can't buy a bucket and don't have much of an offensive flow at all. Or the or, and or that, any or any flow, yeah. Like like trying to get trying to generate stops. I mean, when you're not able to generate, when you're not able to generate stops, I mean that that could sometimes eat away at you, like morale-wise. And same thing defensively. If you if if you're if you can't make shots down the stretch, um, like it's just not as potent sometimes defensively. Um, at least it has been for this team because it's like they'll again, as we talked about, they'll have these lulls on both sides where it's like you you kind of just don't know what's happened. Um, but that's just, that's the game of basketball, man. It's the game of runs. It's a it's a make or miss sport. Literally, it's a make or miss league. Yeah, you say make we say make or miss league, but it applies to every single like division and league of basketball. Like that's what it is. It's a make or miss sport. Like that's just what it is, and it's a and it's by definition not that by definition, but it's the game of runs. That's when it's been nicknamed. Um, at least I think of it think of it as the game of runs, but like. There has been certainly a bunch of runs that's happened, not necessarily in Nevada's favor throughout this year in just those final six, eight minutes. Yeah, I mean, it's just been tough. It's been tough to watch. It's been tough to watch the season unfold. And you warned, I think you kind of really did a good job of warning what could happen, you know, kind of giving caution to the win last week because this is going to be a brutally tough stretch. And I think you and I both said we're going to see what this team is made of. Like you said, I think the grit's there, but it's just simply not being able to get it done when it matters most. And um, hate to break it to Wolfpack fans, it's not going to get much easier. I mean, we are in the thick of conference play. And I think, as you said it last week, this conference is legit. Um, lots of depth, lots of talent, really solid squads. And it's a different brand of basketball. Each of them kind of embody in a way. And right now, the Wolfpack are just kind of on the outside looking in. It's what they are right now, and it's kind of a tough pill to swallow. But, I mean, just based upon these last couple games, what can you say? I mean, it's just been it's just been kind of tough. Yeah, CBS Sports' John Ross, you know, had a tweet actually earlier today, and he listed the conferences that have teams in the top 50 net rankings. Um, and Mountain West had five, and I think that was the fifth most. Um, wow. And that's pretty that's pretty. Impressive, and that, is. that hasn't necessarily happened often throughout the years. I mean, of course, Colorado State, San Diego State, um, Fresno State, Fresno Wyoming, State, et cetera, Wyoming. et cetera, like that's as we've kind of hit on. Um, but like specifically, let's like going back to the UNLV game. Like you're right, Nevada was missing Sherfield. It just didn't ha- have. At least I didn't think they had much shot creation at all on the floor. I mean, it, was, of- it was really Keenan and Daniel yep. Foster trying to handle those responsibilities when um, Grant. Uh, has the ball in his hands most of the time. I mean, they they set a stat on the broadcast that I think it was like around 48% of Nevada's points slash assists come from Sherfield. So he, I mean, obviously one of the highest usage players in the conference. Um, thus, he's able to generate 19 points, six assists a game. I um, mean, he's been Nevada's best shot creator now for two years and not having that presence on the floor really hurts, especially when you have defenses keying in on guy guys like Desmond Cambridge who shot four for 20 from the floor um, 
I mean, it was it, it just there wasn't there wasn't much offense at all, um, and Nevada was like scrambling. I mean, the first nine and a half minutes they had one basket. They had more turnover. They had three times as many turnovers as they did baskets. I think you saw that shot chart, that tweet of the yeah. shot chart to open the game. Brutal. I don't. I can't remember. Yeah, it was yeah. like one of eleven. Yeah, like six threes attempted, a couple mid range on the elbows. It was brutal. I mean, it, it, I mean, there was there was a point in the second half where Nevada's defense was like the defense was stepping like energy wise was uh, was was ramping up a little bit. Um, Will Baker began the second half. He had a few nice hook shots in the in the lane and um, was getting like involved offensively. I mean, Blackshear um, had 17 points. I mean, he had shot five of 11 from the floor, two four from the three point line. I mean, he was he was. Uh, doing what Keenan Blackshear does. He if there's one positive to take away from this season, you want to talk about energy. He's been you said it. He's been outstanding. Both ends. Both ends. I mean and you've Especially you've, of late. Oh definitely. And like since conference play started, like he's been and, he's been developing offensively throughout the year. Um his he's still like a little inconsistent with the shot. Um I don't know if that's mechanics or what, but he's still like he's getting to the rack and he's like generating offense, especially when in some stints when Grant's not on the floor, that wasn't able to happen on Tuesday, obviously. But um, he's he's been very he's been very good this year, and I'm I've been pleased to see what I've yeah seen. I mean, in terms of energy, he's he's brought it every night, this whole year. And last night was big for him, just from an offensive perspective, seeing him kind of uh, dip into different parts of his game. I mean, we really needed to rely on him as a primary ball handler, and I think he did a good job of not only finding his own shot, but getting some parts of the offense involved. And um, I'd like to see that more going forward because that's a guy that's really deserved a log of minutes and has just made the most of, it seems like, every precious second he has on the floor. And he's he's turning into a stud. I mean, I really like his game, and he brought a big impact for energy last night. Obviously, it wasn't enough, but um, when your offense consists of just basically him and Daniel Foster, like you said, it's it's going to be a tough night offensively one way or another. Yeah. Hopefully, he and Foster can make those trades. I don't think, at least that not that I've seen, there's a timetable for Grant's return. Um I think they said there was no structural damage in his foot, so hopefully he would like return soon. But it was like he was battling a very sore foot per Alford. Um, after that was that came out after the Utah State game, which was surprising because um, I mean at least I didn't see anything. I don't know if anyone else did either. But I mean he only played I think twenty five twenty six minutes in that game. Um, in part to do they were just getting smoked. So it's like why play your best players? But there was also like times where Sheriff or Cambridge was on the floor or. Um, Coleman was on the floor where Blackshear was on the floor Baker in those like final minutes of the game even when they're getting like blown out and Sherfield wasn't so I guess that there may there is probably um, a lo- I mean there obviously probably a lot of truth to that but even more so um, in those circumstances mm-hmm. but it was yeah. still it was still weird because I mean I didn't again I didn't expect anything um, or I didn't see anything that would that to think that he was injured but yeah, we'll definitely keep an eye out on that going forward. <laughs> we obviously know how important he is. And, and Warren. Cog, him and Warren. Those two big pieces. Yeah. Huge. And going back to the Utah State game, I know we didn't really want to talk about that. I want to 
I mean, is how much of that of his comments were in the moment? I think, yeah, that's a good question. That's um, I think it was a lot of it's in the heat of the moment, and you know, with your experience in pressers, it's. Well, it's, it's not a good even... chunk of minutes afterwards. It's 25 to 30 minutes after the final buzzer sounds. But after a loss like that, that can really stick with you. And, you know, it can really spill over to your comments to the press. But I think there is obviously some truth to it. But, yeah, some of it could be in the moment. But it really did kind of sum up that performance. I mean, I don't even know if it's his worst loss at Nevada. That says a lot. Or most, most embarrassing loss. Which... I mean... There was the uh, there was a South Dakota State game earlier in the year that was bad where we allowed 102 points. Yeah. South Dakota State seemingly couldn't miss from three. They were getting to the rack, all that stuff. Gosh, there was, that there was like the forever. San Francisco loss last year where they lost by 25 at home. Um, again, it, there's I think there's a pattern here with some of these losses that the team just can't like miss from three, um, contested or not contested. Um, but I don't. At least I don't recollect that game being much prettier either. And, of course, in his first year, Nevada traveled to BYU to play against BYU, and that game was awful. Nevada lost 75-42. to 42. Um, I think that was his worst loss by margin of victory since he's been at Nevada. And so for him to say that that's like the most embarrassing loss, I mean, they didn't even get to 45 points in that BYU game. Um, but it also factors in like you're at home, I mean, in front of a home ground, conference opponent, like, I guess all of that. And it's like heat of the moment, like, I guess there's there's probably a little bit to do with it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Just, and just frustration. Um, I can't remember who asked him, but someone asked him, like, is that, is that something that you'll like just throw away and just erase it from your memory? Or is that something you'll like, you'll, you'll drill into the guys like that film and offers like, I don't know. A good, it's a good question. Um, and, I mean, of course, it, when you're shorthanded against UNLV, it doesn't really help. You can't really evaluate. I mean, I thought they battled versus UNLV, especially in that second half. I don't want to say battle. I, I think they I did definitely think they battled in the second half. Bringing in, I think they brought it to like five or six points, um, but they weren't able to close it down the stretch. I mean, Donovan Williams was good. Bryce Hamilton um, was all right. I mean, Jordan McCabe um, from – who transferred from West Virginia had a good game. He had 17 points. So it's like I, I think UNLV played a good game, and I think UNLV's a good team. And they might, I, are they better than Nevada? They might be. I don't know. Last night was a, you know, it you pushed it a little bit in their favor. Tuesday. But when you lose, oh yeah, I'm sorry. See, it's Thursday, but <laughs> yeah, when you're missing two of your most, you know, two important key cogs, I know it means a lot. But you know, UNLV can play spoiler. spoiler towards the stretch in conference potentially, but no, it's just been, it's been, this is a tough stretch. Man. It's just been a really tough, and like you said, it's not getting any easier. Nevada has now three games over their next five days. <sighs> Tomorrow they are, they're at Fresno State, and Sunday they're at San Diego State, and then Tuesday they're home against Colorado State. Brutal. That's a brutal stretch. Um, not that could be a potential zero and three on the wall there. You can't let you you, you have to win one of them. At least which one? Just, I don't know. Fresno. State. I mean, like Nevada's. We played well against Colorado State to a, to a degree until to an those extent. to those seven last uh, last seven eight minutes came into play again. Um, San Diego State's <laughs> obviously just oh, hard on the road. The missed dunk. 
Oh. You want to talk about that? No. I don't know why I brought it up, but <laughs> I, as I was saying that, I, I was trying to like think of something that summed up Nevada's season, and I kind of yeah brought it up. I'm sorry, I don't know why I brought that up so randomly, yeah. but I was just like, oh, let's bring that up. The miss dunk. Nice. Yeah, that wasn't. I'm sure Desmond Cambridge wishes he had that one back. Yeah, I mean that's the easiest bucket you'll get all year. I think he just jumped too early. Like he, like he jumped and like on his way down, he like I don't, I don't know. I'm, that's just theorizing, but I think he jumped early. He was in the air too long, came down. It, it just didn't. It, I guess, didn't go smoothly for lack of better phrase. Uh, yeah, most definitely. <laughs> most definitely did not. <laughs> it's a dunk, though. <laughs> it's a dunk. It should have been a. I slam wish I dunk. could dunk. Same here. I've dunked a couple of times, but my my knees are bad now, so. You're 21. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm I'm saying that in the context that I haven't just worked out my knees and years. Like when I was in high school and played as a washed up high school basketball player, guy who played left bench, um, trying to dunk a couple of times. Uh, I mean, I I and I'm not even saying it like I did it like, like, I mean, I barely got it. Hey, a dunk's a dunk though. Still, I remember the video. Yeah, but like, yeah, no, my, I have to like re. Work out my knees now. Um, always skip leg day. Always skip leg day. Um, Isaiah, do you have any? Do you have anything more to add? No. Um, closing comments. Rooting for Carson Strong, Romeo Dubs, Cole Turner Ooh, yeah, in the, senior, in the bowl. senior bowl. Yep. Carson's looking good in practices. Um, They're all looking good. I mean, he and uh, Dubs have connected a few times for touchdowns, or not touchdowns, but just um, a few times on like passes. highlights. Yeah. Um, I think. His arm talent has really opened eyes at in many ways. Um, I mean, I we've seen some deep we've balls. See, I mean, we've seen it. But yeah, but like, it's the, as advertised. It is. It is. And it, uh, one of the positives was seeing his mobility outside the pocket a little bit. That's true. You know, scrambling, a couple throws on the run. Um, one thing to take into account was the weather conditions in Mobile, Alabama. Haven't been so good. It's been pretty wane. Pretty wainy, pretty pretty rainy and windy. Pretty, oh my god! I'm sorry. It's just been a jumble Thursday, but um, no, just wishing those guys the best of luck. Obviously, um, strong dubs getting a little bit of buzz. Trey McBride, Colorado State tight end, has really solidified himself atop the class. So just keep an eye out for that. But that's on Saturday. Wishing those guys the best. Um, you know, it's a big time. Can really help raise your draft stock and help get some more eyes on you. So we're wishing those guys nothing but the best. Thank you for listening. Give us a five star rating, like, and subscribe. Um, also, we'll be doing our Super Bowl predictions next week. Uh, I hope not to jinx any team this time. I I'll, I'll go on the record of saying I stink when I when every single every single game where the Bengals are involved, I am terrible at predicting them. Um, so I'll go on the record and say that. Uh, so if I get this Super Bowl prediction wrong, it should be absolutely the least surprising thing you'll hear or um, that you'll follow. I mean, you probably won't follow it, but I'm just saying. Um, so thank you for listening. Like and subscribe. Uh, see you guys next week.